Section 11 of Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by E. M. Allen. Trips in the Life of a Locomotive Engineer by Henry Dawson. An Unmitigated Villain. Everybody knows mean men. Everybody knows people that they think are capable of any mean act, who would, did opportunity present itself, steal, lie, cheat, swear falsely, or do any other act which is vicious. But do any of my readers think that they know anyone who would be guilty of deliberately placing an obstruction on a railroad track, over which he knew that a train, laden with human passengers, must soon pass? Yet such men are plenty. Such acts are frequently done, and often with the sole view of stealing from the train during the excitement which must necessarily ensue after such an accident. Sometimes such deeds are done from pure vengeance, because the man who does it imagines that the railroad company has done him some injury, and he thinks that by so doing he will reap a rich harvest of vengeance. What kind of a soul can such a man have? The man who desires to steal, wishes to get a chance to do so when people's minds are so occupied with some other idea that their property is not thought of. So he goes to the railroad track and lifts up a rail, places a tie or a T-rail across the track, or does something that he thinks will throw the train from the track, and then lies in wait for the accident to happen calmly and with deliberate purpose awaiting the event, expecting, amid the carnage which will probably follow, to reap his reward, calculating, when it comes, to fill his pockets with the money thus obtained, and when it does happen, and the heavy train in which, resting in security, are hundreds of passengers, goes off the track, is wrecked, and lies there with every car shattered and out of their ruins are creeping the mangled victims who rend the air with their horrid shrieks and moans of agony when the dead and the mangled are mixed up amidst the appalling wreck when little children scarce able to go alone are so torn to pieces that they linger only for a few moments on earth when families that a few moments before were unbroken and happy are separated forever by the death of the father who lies in sight of the remaining ones, a crushed and bleeding mass, or by the loss of the mother who, caught by some portion of the wreck, is held, and there, in awful agony, slowly frets her life away, right in sight of all that are dear to her, or maybe a husband who is hurrying home to his dear one lying at the point of death and anxiously awaiting his coming, that, before she dies, she may bid him good-bye. He is caught and mangled so that he cannot move farther, and the wife dies alone. Maybe a child, long time absent, is hastening home to meet the aged mother or father, and bid them good-bye ere the long-running sands are running out entirely. But here he is, caught, and his last breath of life goes out with a heart-rending, horrible scream of agony, and only his mangled corpse can go home. All ties may be rudely sundered. The infant at its mother's breast may be killed, 
and its mother clasp its tiny, bleeding form to her bosom. But it shall smile on her nevermore. Its cooing voice shall not welcome her care again on earth. The mother, too, may be killed, and the moaning child may sob and sigh for the accustomed kiss, but all in vain. The mother, mangled and slain, only holds the child in the stiff embrace of death. The author of it all? Where is he? He that did the deed. Is he rummaging the baggage or the pockets of the dead to find spoil? If he is, surely every cent he gets will blister his fingers through all time and in hell. The wail of the dying and the last gasp of the dead will, through all time, surely ring in his ears with horrible distinctness and with a sound ominous of eternal torture. The horrible sight of the mangled, bleeding bodies, the set eyes, and jaws locked from excessive torture, will surely fasten on his eye forever, and blister his sight. Horrid dreams, wherein jibing fiends shall mock at him, and the wail of the damned ring forever in his ears, shall surely visit his pillow and haunt him every night. Each voice that he hears amid the carnage shall seem, in aftertime, to be the voice of an accusing angel telling him of his guilt. So we would think, and yet men do it, some in order to have a chance to steal, others as revenge for some petty injury. And they live, and, if detected, are sent for ten or twenty years to the penitentiary, as if that were punishment enough. It may be that I feel too strongly on the subject, but it seems to me that an eternity in hell would scarce be more than sufficient punishment for such a damnable deed. I think I could coolly and without compunction tread the drop to launch such a being to eternity, for surely no good influence that earth affords would be sufficient to reclaim such a man from the damnable depravity of his nature. Surely a man capable of such a deed is a born fiend fit only for the abiding place of the accursed of God, whose voice should ever be heard howling in sleepless, eternal agony in the sulphurous chambers of the devil's home. I do feel strongly on this subject, for I have stood by and seen many a horrid death of this kind. I have held the hands of dear friends and felt their last convulsive pressure amid such scenes whose deaths were caused by the diabolical malignity of some devil who, for the nonce, had assumed human shape, and in revenge for the death of a cow, or for the unpaid occupation of land, or to get a chance to rob, had placed something on the track and thrown the cars therefrom. I have seen things placed on the track, rails torn up, and other traps, the ingenuity of whose arrangement could only have been begotten by the devil. And I have shut my eyes and thought that I had taken my last look at earth and all its glories. But I have escaped. I never caught one of these wretches. And I never want to. For if I should, I am afraid I would become an instrument for ridding the earth of a being who had secured good title and could not lose it to an abode in the nethermost hell. End of section 11